to the Hacking Your Health podcast with Ben Kenning and Dave Kennedy. Two guys heading out to hack body, mind, business, and beyond. We are here to provide a single source, bullshit-free guide to understanding your body and how you can live better for longer. Yo, what's up, everybody? Just before we get into this week's podcast, I'd like to take a second to say two things. Number one, thanks for tuning in once again. We wouldn't be here if it weren't for every listen, every download, every watch. Secondly, if you can take time to subscribe to wherever you listen to listen to or watch us, it would be greatly appreciated and it would do a lot for us and the show. Thanks. Enjoy this week's episode. Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. Happy New Year. I am Ben Canning. Happy New Year. This is uh, Dave Kennedy. And this is Hacking Your Health Podcast. It is. What's up, dude? Dude, it's a... Well, it's not technically a brand new year. We I know we have to... <laughs> we have to, we have to like, like, speak in the future. <laughs> when Happy you're new listening year, everybody. to this... This <laughs> party was great. You know, the New Year party was great. Christmas was great. You know, yeah. Future us will be saying... Future us will be saying we had a great Christmas and a great New Year, and it's time to kick some ass going into 2023, right? That's our goal. Yes, exactly that. Exactly that. I mean, for the real, the the real time frame, we only recorded the last one yesterday. So between yesterday and today, what's been going on? Well, so uh, my my orange theories were a little bit delayed. So for those that are just tuning in for the first year for the first time, welcome. By the way, welcome to the Hacking Your Health family. But uh, I do uh, hit training, uh, so high intensity interval training at a place called Orange Theory, and I do that twice a week, and I lift uh, five days. It's kind of my routine. Uh, currently. And so uh, I normally go Mondays and Wednesdays, but my back was a little tight on Monday. So decided to push Orange Theory off a day. So I went Tuesdays and today is Thursday. So I went Thursday and um, I've been getting over a cold. And so I really haven't felt a hundred percent. And today I went to Orange Theory. And um, so I'll tell you the, the, the funny story about it. So for those that have, haven't listened to the podcast before, I'm, I'm somewhat competitive with other people, but you're not supposed to be at Orange Theory. So it's not a competition. And nobody else, else knows. And nobody else knows it's a competition except for me, but it helps like get me into a zone to push myself harder. And I told myself today, like, Hey, I'm just kind of getting over sickness. I'm just getting over, you know, some back pain, you know, uh, or some back uh, tightness and soreness. So I'm just going to take it easy today. Well, there was this girl that was two next to me and I know she competes with me because she'll look at my screen. And one time she actually said to me, she's like, Man, I was trying to beat you, but you, you definitely got it. So I know she she always tries to beat me. You're so, like, oh, it, me? No, I didn't even notice. Yeah, yeah I, didn't I didn't even, even notice. notice. I didn't even know. I noticed. I noticed. <laughs> I kept hitting the number up, right? So so today she was two next to me, and uh, and uh, I, I caught her looking at my screen, which is you know showing how fast, and I saw her bump her speed up 0.5. and I was like, ah, oh, shit. I'm like, now I gotta now I gotta compete here, you know, and now I gotta go out. And I'll tell you, I don't know. A, a switch flipped to me that hadn't been in there for a while, and. I went on an absolute tear. I completely killed myself. I mean, it was it was so bad that like after I got done with the the treadmill, like and I of course won my like 0.5 miles, which is great. And then um, well, then I went to the uh, to the we had a, a block that was uh, weight training and uh, rowing. So you had to do like two power movements, uh, and then you had to go to the um, the rower and do like you know 200 meter row, 150 meter row, 100 meter row, but going back and forth basically. So it was like kind of like a circuit. And I, I was basically almost crawling to the rower because I was killing myself so much. And normally they have what are called splat points. And it's, uh, so you have different zones. You have like, you know, like a, a gray zone, which is like, you're barely, you know, doing anything cardio. You have a green zone, which is like, Hey, you know, you're, you're in your good range of, of cardio. And then you have like an orange zone, which is like, Hey, you're starting to kill yourself. And the red zone's like, Hey, you're practically dying. And I was in the red zone, like the majority of the time. And normally, and so splat points are orange and red. Normally I get like, 10 to 12 and I got like 34, um, today. So it was a, it was a tough day. I'm covered in sweat right now. Luckily, none of, no one in the audience can smell me because I just reek of just sweat and, you know, like, you know, destruction of my body. So, uh, but it was a good, good workout. And, uh, I, I still got, I still got to do uh, uh, back today, uh, later on this afternoon. So I'm going to give myself, I just eat a, eat a banana. I'm about to have my protein shake right here and uh, start to recover a bit and then lift in the evening. Because uh, there's no way a lift is happening anytime soon. 
How are I you mean, doing? How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing good. I mean, you look great. Um, yeah, I'm doing good. Nothing really else to report here. I am on a non a non training day today, um, which actually speaks so, so good today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. I'm actually going to train legs tomorrow. I'm trying to plan my days around getting a disco pump for Christmas. Um, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to train my legs tomorrow. So I'm going to take a non a non training day today. My day's a bit upside down, but no complaints. Check in day for everybody. So we go through that. Um, it's cool to see because I'm seeing like so it's like your check in day essentially, but it's also the day that all the hacks crew put their check-ins in and they always put their, there's like a, a channel on the, a separate channel on our discord for weekly wins. And they're like, whenever they're going to check in, they put the weekly wins in. So it's quite a, it's a rewarding That's day cool. to see the, to see the wins yeah. come through and what people, and even like what different people celebrate and what different people see as wins. So yeah, it's, it's definitely cool. It's a, it's definitely a very rewarding day. So that's what's going on with me. That's awesome. It's cool to see the success of all those folks. Uh, and, you know, again, um, relatively new to the process, right? I mean, it's literally going on for about what, a month or two? Uh, this will be week six. Week six yeah, so about a month and a half. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean that's that's awesome to see people's progress. I mean you have folks that have already dropped like twenty pounds and things like that. I mean just crazy success uh, with everything. So it's it's really awesome to see the energy you know and the camaraderie of one another, kind of upholding and, and uplifting one another. So uh, the community there, and it's awesome to see that. I think one of the cool things is, it, and this was not planned, like full disclosure by any stretch of imagination, but I think the timing of everything worked out quite well because. After I guess after two weeks, we all dealt with Thanksgiving together. Well, they all dealt with Thanksgiving together, and then now it's coming into Christmas because everybody sort of dealt with that. Whenever I was on the call with them on Monday, I was like, "Right, what's the plan? Like, how are you going to navigate your calories? What's the plan for Christmas?" And everybody was cool. Like nobody was freaking out. Nobody was like, "Oh, I'm going to go off the rails," or like you know, there was no predicted shit shows. It was like, "Yeah, I have this party and this party, and then I have food with the family, but I'm going to control my calories and I'll be in control of it." And yeah. Ultimately, whenever you have that control or that understanding of what you do and don't need to do, that's when you don't fall on and off, essentially, the bandwagon. So it's cool to see, again, even so early on, that they have that knowledge to know what they need to do to handle it so that they're confident going into the holidays and not like freaking out that they're going to go off rails because naturally it is a time where people do tend to go off the rails because it's just massive yeah. amounts of food everywhere. So it's cool to see that thing. Yeah, and that discipline carries forward, you know, throughout your whole life. And as you're in this this health journey, you know, um, for those that are just tuning in for the for the new of the year, you know, the foundational principles that you learn around kind of you know eating moderately, eating you know within you know your own range of of calories throughout the day uh, becomes a really important aspect of your life. Like a good example is I went to uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers game yesterday, and I have access to a lounge that has unlimited food, and you know they have you know cakes and desserts and all this other stuff and you know, there's tons of piles of food. So for me, you know, they had, uh, yesterday was like gyros and wings um, and, you know, a ton of like, you know, breads and pastas and, you know, uh, you know, mashed potatoes and stuff like that. So I, I literally got a gyro with no bun. I just kind of threw the steak meat on there or the lamb meat on there and some, you know, veggies. And I had some wings and that was my, that was my dinner. And I calculated that within my macros and, you know, stayed within line with everything that I was doing. And, um, you know, didn't get any desserts because, I mean, I, I could have, but I decided, you know, hey, it's not really worth it. And, um, you know, stuck within that kind of moderate type of eating, even though there was a lot of access to food for me. So, you know, those those principles that they are learning, you know, will stick with them forever. And, and it's it's funny because it's almost like an autopilot for me when I go at Christmas. You know, I'm not I'm not like looking for, you know, the the craziest, highest calorie type of, of you know, food out there. I'm looking like. Hey, and get my protein first. The majority of my plates give me protein, and the rest of it I may supplement with some like beans and maybe a piece of bread or something like that, or some you know stuffing. But you know the stuffing isn't going to be you know three fourths of my plate with a couple pieces of turkey. You know it's going to be predominantly turkey, some gravy on there, and you know a little bit of stuffing, a little bit of other stuff. Definitely some cranberry sauce because you have to have cranberry sauce on turkey. It's that's a must. Uh, um, people will, will die on that hill there, but. Uh, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, you, you kind of learn those principles. And even if you're not tracking calories and things like that, you're still getting heavy whole foods, protein rich type of meal in a situation where you're enjoying food with family. Yeah. I actually think, you know, I sort of broke it down. I was like, if you think about the, I guess the basics of a Christmas dinner, like essentially it is a pretty decent, well-rounded meal. Like you can get a pretty decent amount of protein. You can have decent veggies, carbohydrates, source and some fat source. Like it just, has become over the years an excuse to completely take the piss and overeat, but you don't necessarily need to. Obviously, you can if you want, and if you want to calculate it through your week and include whatever you need to include, but it is a pretty well-balanced meal. It's been home-cooked, so I don't see 
the reason to overconsume on days like that. Yeah, and the overconsuming piece of it is is the interesting part because you know it, it, it took me. It's, it's hard to explain, but like prior to me having a framework or a system in place for me to be able to, to eat, right? You know, I, I wouldn't think about portion size. I wouldn't think about what I'm eating. I would just eat until I totally full to my, you know, top of my food. And I'm, you know, super tired afterwards, feel like total crap, then maybe eat some more later, then have some more desserts. And then, you know, it was this thing where, you know, it was, it was just a, a bottomless pit that you continue to eat. But when you are doing stuff like this, you're like, well, Hey, I can, I can go over calories a little bit here, but it's not going to be a thousand calories. It's not going to be 10,000 calories. You know, it's going to be, you know, five or 600 calories. It's going to be predominantly protein or something like that. And, you know, protein digests very differently, much harder to store from a fat perspective, you know, so you're doing the right things to kind of do that. You're not engorging yourself in just a ton of food to to do it for, for doing its sake. So, you know, being mindful of those types of things eventually creates these habits that, you know, it's just second nature to when you actually go and do it. And it takes it takes time to get there. Um, and it takes time to be mindful of it. And it takes time to kind of get into that autopilot mode of that. But once you get to there, it's much easier to do that than it is to actually like just eat an ass ton of food to where you're completely, you know, um, you know, feeling like crap and, you know, you hate yourself because you gained, you know, 15 pounds a day, which isn't possible by the way. Um, you know, you have a lot of food built up in your, in your system, but you know, those are the types of things that you can be mindful of during these, uh, during the holiday timeframes and then kicking back into, you know, first year, obviously when, when this is released. Yeah. I think the one thing to remember, and maybe it's a bit backwards talking about it now, but I talked about it on the, on the call on, on Monday, it's like, you know, people are concerned when their weight starts to go up and I'm like, right. So say for example, you're stood beside me right now and I put you on the scale and you weigh whatever you weigh. <laughs> and then I hand you a plate of food and you're holding it. The scale is going to say that you weigh more because you're holding a plate of food. So essentially when you eat the food, the food is inside of you. So you will weigh more. So yes. Okay. You may see fluctuations in your weight and it will come up, but just know that you haven't actually physically put on that amount of weight in terms of actual body fat or, or some sort of tissue. And that's, you know, when, um, when you start to eat differently too, at first you will gain some weight typically because, so let's just say, you know, your, most of your, your calories are coming from, you know, highly, you know, processed calorie rich, uh, carbohydrates or fats or things like that. Um, your body is used to digesting them fairly easily. Um, they're, 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 they are digesting. So if you eat like a pop tart, for example, are you full after a pop tart? No, like you could literally eat 50 pop tarts. And it'd be like 2000 calories. And then you could eat a ton more after that as well. So it's not a fulfilling meal when you eat things like that. But when you eat something like a, you know, like a, a, a piece of, of lean meat, like a steak or a burger, are you usually full after that? Yeah. Because it's, it's, you know, very dense or very, you know, uh, thick food that you're eating whole foods. It fills you up quicker. Um, and it gives you that, that source of protein. Those types of foods take a while to, for your body to digest. So when you start switching to more of like predominantly whole foods, like 80% whole foods, 20%, whatever, those whole foods will stay in your system much longer. So when I first started with Ben, um, you know, I'm like, Hey Ben, I don't think this is going the right way. It's like been one week and I'm up eight pounds and you're like, give it like a couple more days. And all of a sudden it's just like, boom, okay, those eight pounds are gone. And then I start dropping. Right. You know, so it just takes some time for, for that food to get out of your system and for your body to get more used to digesting some more complex types of foods uh, free to actually go with. So don't freak out if you start switching and you like, Oh, I start shooting up a little bit. Now, if it starts happening for like two or three weeks, that's when you start to say, Hey, I'm probably eating too many calories. I need to start dropping things down. Um, but at the end of the day, you will start to see a little bit of a, a weight gain as you start to go through this. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I'm not going to say that this is backed by science, but if you think about processed food versus whole foods, like processed foods are already processed. So they've already done the majority of the work. So your body doesn't need to do as much work to process and digest them versus whole foods. It literally needs to break them down. So it, it will have to break, it'll have to go through the whole system of breaking them down. So that's why it will keep you fuller for longer. It will stay in your system for longer. And it will, you know, it, it will take longer to actually go through the system. Yeah. And uh, that took me a little bit of time to learn when I first started going through all this is like, Hey, you know, I'm eating all this food. Um, it takes a while to digest. And I usually, you know, when I weigh myself, a lot of people make the mistake of like weighing midday or, you know, or towards the evening when you've already eaten all those foods. To me, the best time to weigh yourself is, you know, first thing in the morning, maybe after a bowel movement or something like that, if you're regular in that side, I started to talk about, you know, all of that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a good time, you know, after that, where you got the food hydro system, you're kind of looking at your natural weights. Um, and then from there, you you kind of build off of that and do like more daily measurements and then take the average of that throughout the week. So, you know, for me, 
you know, weight is just a number, but it's one measurement of many that you can use as a tool to be successful with what you're doing. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. So today we want to talk about, we're going to revisit and sort of start again because it's the start of the year. So no better time to do it. Is that correct? Are we on the same That's page? That's correct. We're going to, we're going to go and recap some of the foundational principles of being successful going into 2023. And um, these principles you know, are true in and true out. They, they work for, for everybody because they're flexible to everybody. Uh, and, and when I say it works for everybody, it doesn't mean that you have to do this, that, this, that, this, that, and then you're going to be successful. It means that there are principles that you can apply to what you do day in and day out and starting off small to be successful in your journey for, through health and fitness. And, you know, where you may have failed many times before, we've all failed many times before. Uh, and, and we come back and we learn, we, we try to iterate through that and become better um, going into the new year. And uh, so this podcast is really dedicated to those folks that are just starting off, that are just listening to us, that are, you know, maybe um, at a stall point or need some help and motivation, the principles that allow us to be successful in our journeys through health and fitness, and ultimately our lives feeling better about ourselves, um, being able to, you know, do things with our kids and our families, having more energy uh, through our work and through our, through our families, our family life. All those things are possible as we age, as we grow older, and there's never a um, bad time to start this journey. Regardless if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, uh, you can absolutely make a change in your life that starts to catapult you towards uh, success. And if you think about it, if you're doing absolutely nothing now, nothing, you're at a zero, right? If you just start doing small things, and let's just say you're doing 1% more than you did yesterday, that 1% eventually adds up to, you know, a lot more from a, a bettering yourself perspective throughout the whole year. And these small things are what makes a big difference in somebody's life. If you're, you know, just starting off and all you're going to do is do 8,000 steps a day, you know, or 8,000 steps every couple of days, you're decreasing your mortality rate by like 60%. You're increasing your body's ability to recover itself uh, and to, um, you know, move around and, and, and fix ailments and things of that effect. And you're burning calories as you're going through and doing it. So small changes equate to big differences in your life as you start to go through. And it could be anything from walking or just working out once or twice a week. Those things will have resonating impacts on you, how you feel um, as you start to go through this. Yeah. And I think one of the, the biggest points, again, to sort of touch on the, the Dr. Aria podcast we were listening to during the week, one of the things that he says in it, the, the biggest benefit or the biggest jump and benefit you get is from whenever you go from zero to like that sort of second group up. So it's like, I think he talks in like 20%. So from the bottom 20% to the next 20% up, like that is where you get the most benefits. As you start to go up, you get less percentage gain in terms of benefits. So if you're starting at nothing to go up to that next, you know, 20%, you'll get the most benefit from paying in, managing nutrition, your cardio or, or whatever it is. Yeah. And um, when you start looking at, at what we have to do um, to kind of frame this out and starting off the new year, um, Ben has, you know, several principles that are kind of the pillars around uh, health and fitness and your journey as you go along. And it's funny because, you know, when I first started off with Ben and, and many folks that have listened to this podcast before, will will relate to the story. I've taught, taught, uh, talked about it a few times, but I had no idea if Ben knew what he was talking about or not. Um, and, you know, I assumed he did, you know, and I was hoping he did because, you know, obviously, you know, I was investing my time and my dedication into this, but it's funny because, you know, you know, a year later, you know, or a year and a half later, different, different times, you know, periods that I've known Ben, you know, the validation of Ben's program and even the science behind it and the validation through like PhDs that study, you know, you know, neurobiology and, you know, how our bodies work validates, you know, what Ben has been saying for a long time and really well thought out, you know, structure. In fact, uh, uh, it was interesting. I was listening to, uh, Huberman, uh, yesterday. It was a Q and a session. I, in fact, I think you were at this one. It was the New York Q and a session. Um, and one of the, uh, questions that came up was, I think, around uh, hypnosis or something like that. But he had talked about um, how there were, were studies on mindset. And if somebody told you, uh, it gave you a negative video on how stress increases your heart rate and increases, you know, your body's inability to repair itself and is a horrible thing for you, your body will actually mimic the negativity in that video. Okay. 
and it will actually like start to like have higher blood pressure and things of that effect just from interpreting what stress does to your body. So a negative perception of stress in your body causes your body to have stress and to have negative impacts. However, if you frame a video in a positive light and say, well, listen, short-term stress isn't a bad thing for your body. Your body's designed to handle stress. It's not copious amounts of stress every single day that just beats you down. And it goes through the positives of stress. You will actually reap the benefits of the positive stress because it's told in a different way. It's amazing what our minds can do just to, to go one way in a pendulum or another way. And what, what Huberman was explaining is how we interpret the real world or social media or how we interpret things in our lives ultimately equate to how our bodies react and how healthy we are and everything that affects our mind is literally the catalyst for everything that, that happens in our bodies, whether or not we're motivated to go to the gym, whether we're motivated to eat nutritionally, you know, healthy, dense, you know, foods, whether we're, you know, continuously trying to better ourselves or how we handle stress. One thing about me that I've done very well throughout my life is I, you know, I, I still get stressed and I have stress in my life, but I don't allow stress to control me. I, you know, if I'm just having a really, you know, crappy day, I will, you know, have a crappy day, but I don't let that ruin my life. You know, like I just have to go through it and I have positives and things like that. I look at the, the bright side of things. And, you know, if I have confrontation or things like that, yeah, it stresses me out, but it doesn't get me to the point to where it's like something where it just puts me in a hole. So having a mindset on controlling your body, controlling your stress and controlling more of a positive outlook um, can be really important uh, to frame yourself to be successful in this journey. And so you look at, at what Hebron was talking about, you know, obviously nutrition, uh, you know, uh, resistance training or muscle mass, uh, cardiovascular health, all of those are extremely important. But the most important piece for all of those to be successful is having the right mindset to buy into that. Yeah. I'm, I mean, for anybody who hasn't heard me tell the story, like whenever I first started coaching and the VC training logo literally used to read body nutrition, lifestyle and mindset. And I can't remember how many years it was into coaching. I was like, that is the wrong way around. Like that is not the way around that it goes. And it just shows that I guess either the immaturity from when I started or the maturity as I sort of grew as a coach. And now it reads mindset, lifestyle, nutrition, body. So the exact opposite way around. And it's funny, I guess this was sort of leading me into what I was going to say, you know, what you're saying there about the two separate videos of stress is essentially a perspective that you have on the video or a perspective that the, the video conveys. Wait, say that again. Sorry. The, uh, sorry, I was getting a notification that I had a low battery. I can get a charger on. Um, oh. the, yeah, it talks about the perspective. Hold on. Let me plug this in. If you're not listening uh, or not seeing this in the video, Ben's uh, headset is dying because he didn't charge it. How do you not charge your headset? Like, I just plug it in all the time. I thought I had it plugged in. Don't worry, I can cut this bit out. Nobody will even know. I don't know if I'm going to have any distance on it. Anyway, there we go. Um, yes, so essentially what you were saying was the... The, the Andrew Herman was basically showing two separate videos and it was the perspective you had around stress. Um, and essentially I think that the, the biggest thing with that is the perspective piece of it. Um, and I guess, you know, thinking about the, the mindset, lifestyle, nutrition, body, again, it's a perspective thing. And one thing that I always think that I do well, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, is I always offer good perspective whenever people are struggling with something or people are, you know, oh, this has gone wrong or this is this or that's that. I think I always try and give a different perspective of things. I think that that's something and it's oftentimes something that that is overlooked is just having a different perspective on things. One of the things that I was appreciated with uh, your programs, you know, there was days where I was struggling, you know, with with not having enough fast change or areas that I would just kind of fall off on, you know, whether it was eating too much food or, you know, having a total crap day, you know, from a workout perspective, you know, just not feeling like I was, you know, hundred percent into it and the positivity, the reinforcement, I think was such an important part. And, you know, uh, we, we've talked about tribes before in the past, but humans were never designed at least, at least historically, you know, we may evolve into this, but humans were never designed to be in large cities and things like that. We'd have small communities, usually consisting of, you know, 50 to 100 people. And those were our tribes. And each person, you know, would provide a valuable skill to that tribe, whether it was, 
you know, going out and foraging food or planting or water or those different things to make that tribe successful. And that's what made us so strong from an evolutionary perspective is that, you know, we're not the fastest, we're not the strongest, but when we come together in a tribe, we're, we're extremely strong. You know, a, a bear can't take down a tribe of a hundred people. Um, so the contribution aspect of things and providing for your tribe is an extremely uh, important part of our evolutionary track. And so, you know, when you have positivity from a same tribe or a similar tribe with same beliefs, um, our minds almost instantly attach to it. And that's what you kind of see today in social media and politics and things to that effect. You, you find somebody with a similar belief and you latch on to those similar beliefs and, and then it becomes empirical with that tribe. So you have to agree with that tribe or, you know, go specifically with that tribe. And I'm saying that's a bad thing. It's just how we, we are evolutionary uh, wise. And same thing goes for health and fitness. If you find, you know, folks that have the same mindset as you for your own success or for you to be, um, you know, healthy in those and you get kudos and you're contributing to motivating other people, very similar to what we have here in Hacking Your Health podcast, you know, the energy that we get from our community motivates us to continue to do this, to share knowledge, to push ourselves harder, to be kind of a face of what we're doing here. So the, the tribal aspects around fitness is just as important as the, and it equates into the mindset aspects because without that, you know, you don't have the ability to, to have that motivation that we've had for, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of years of evolution um, to allow us to, to get that same type of tribe aspect. So that's why it's important when you're, when you're trying to be successful in this journey to have supportive people around you that are motivating you in a positive way, not a negative way. And we all get in negative spins, you know, whether it's, you know, Hey, I'm not losing this weight fast enough, or, Hey, I don't like how my body looks or, Hey, you know, I wasn't able to PR this day because, you know, it was, it was totally crap. You know, those, those days where people can uplift you will help push you through that and to overcome those hurdles uh, and your battles with yourself. Yeah, and it comes down to, you know, the the saying about you, the product of people you surround yourself with, like, it's okay, we're not <clears throat> physically surrounding ourselves with, but obviously we have the benefits of, we can do it virtually or, or within the internet. And I think that one of the biggest things that I've seen, and actually probably one of the the biggest reasons that I actually launched the Hacks program as a group-based program was me sort of seeing the the benefit that everybody within the BC fam had being in a group. Um, and I've said this time and time again, like I physically can't be a group of people by myself and I can't offer what they offer. And it's not essentially something that I can sell as part of the package essentially. Um, but the, like being in that environment and whether it is that you come in and you share the shit stuff, the good stuff, the wins, the losses, like whatever the fuck's going on being able to share it, it's having a space to come and share it and having people that, you know, a aren't going to judge you and B will sort of give you what they think you need in that moment. So whether it's support, whether it's someone to listen to, whether it's, you know, good job, bad job, whatever it might be. Um, and I think, you know, having that space and having that environment is definitely something that is is a massive part of people's success beyond like anything that I could do myself. Yeah. And so when you when you get the mindset aspects down, um, you know, there's there's different pillars as part of it. So mindset is, hey, I want to make a change. So apply yourself to that. And one of the, the tools that I have always used to be successful in this is that, um, and, and this has gone for, for not just fitness, but business bourbon, you know, like different, different hobbies I've, I've done throughout my life that, um, and, and the bourbon wasn't a problem by the way, it's like collecting bourbon. So, um, but, uh, you know, I, different things that I've done throughout my life that I've been successful at are things that I've made my hobby or that I kind of immersed myself into. So for me, you know, when I got into this fitness journey, I started researching data. I started, you know, reading books. I started trying to understand, listening to podcasts, obviously listening to, to what Ben had to say, um, you know, and, and from there kind of growing my knowledge in this, this, this field so that I could make the best plan and motivate myself to push myself further along as I went through. And so, you know, the, the making this your hobby, I think is, is important. Uh, making this something that you do. And again, it doesn't have to be like all consuming in your life where you're going from, you know, uh, not going to the gym to going to the gym six days a week for 15 hours a day, that's not going to be successful, right? But getting yourself inching your way into it and starting to have that mindset of, I'm interested in this. I want to figure this out. And for me, it was kind of a natural evolution because I'm very much into hacking. I love hacking systems. I love, you know, breaking into computer systems. This was just a flip of, hey, how do I hack my body? 
how do I use science that's out today to hack my body to to do something that that I haven't been able to do before to figure something out that I haven't been able to do before. Very similar to how I break into computer systems. So that mind switch for me was was very much the same as it was in hacking. It was figuring out how my body works, getting my blood work done, taking my blood work and trying to figure out, hey, what is LDL and HDLs? What does this mean? And what does that mean? What does my testosterone levels look like? What should they be at? How do I optimize you know, my body to be the maximum amount of performance that could possibly be in my life and be successful with longevity and health and everything else that goes along with it? What do the latest studies say? What's the newest break, breaking research? Like All those things are the exact same stuff that you do in cybersecurity every single day. Why can't I do that same thing for my body? So the mindset pieces and applying it, you know, to making your hobby is something that is a lot of fun. Uh, and I've, I've really enjoyed that journey. But once you get past the mindset piece, now it's time to start actually doing some sort of incremental changes. Right. And I think this is where you start getting into the nutritional aspects of things. You know, you know, someone might be like, Hey, you need to work out first. No, I, I would argue, get your nutrition locked down because we've talked about this before in the podcast, but at the end of the day, regardless of what diet you're using or what pills you're using, we don't recommend pills or anything like that. Your body is, is you eat calories, you consume calories or you, or you burn calories. You eat calories, you consume calories, you, you burn calories. So it's calories in versus calories out. Now there's nuances to that and some, some ins and outs, but at the end of the day, if you eat more than your body um, can, can actually use, then it's going to be stored as fat, plain and simple. There's no other explanation for it. It's how our bodies work. It's thermodynamics. You know, our bodies heat itself up and uses itself to cool itself down. As that's happening, there's there's a lot of processes happening, like ATP and a bunch of other stuff, energy production in our bodies. The more energy we consume, if we eat less than what we, we, we consume, um, then you're going to lose weight. Um, same thing for muscle building. If you do resistance training and you eat enough protein, you're not going to lose pro- you're not going to lose your muscles, right? You have enough uh, you know uh, amino acids for protein synthesis, and you will continue to build muscle. So there are, are, are things that you can start to do nutritionally. So here's the thing. People are like, well, how do I lose weight? I'm like, caloric deficit, eat less, eat less food. You can literally drop 50 pounds by eating less food. You don't have to work out. You don't have to do anything different right now. It's literally eating less food. Now, again, we don't recommend them. You probably want to augment that, but everybody's like, hey, you need to go do cardio first. No, that's not what you need to do. If you do cardio, the problem with that is if you're not locked into nutrition and you're doing cardio, you're going to want to eat more and then you overconsume, and now you're you know, you eat more calories than you actually partake. And you're like, why am I not losing weight? I'm running my ass off and I'm, you know, still gaining weight. It's because you're eating more because your body wants more. It's used to that, that, that figure. So getting down to nutrition, I think, uh, is once you have that mindset in place, starting to lock in, uh, what you eat and how much you eat is extremely important. That's why we recommend, you know, calorie trackers, um, and macro breakdowns. And we'll get into that in a second, but I'll pause it and give it over to Ben to kind of, uh, add, add some more context there. Yeah. I think the, you know, as we said time and time again, like it's actually just having an understanding of what you're putting into your body is probably the biggest piece because there is this like, okay, right. I have to do cardio or I have to do whatever because I want to lose weight, which yes, cool. Okay. Fair enough. But if you're not in tune with what you're consuming, how your body responds to it, how you feel and stuff like that, then it's completely useless. Um, and it literally, 99.9% 99.9% of the time, it's just a balancing act by how much food you put into your system versus how much energy you burn in whatever activities you're doing day to day. And so having, definitely having an understanding of the nutrition piece. And as you sort of said, even last week, like the, even just the act of tracking your food will give you two things. Number one, an understanding of calories and how food is made up. But number two, it will in some way tidy up or quote unquote clean up the food that that you do eat because you actually have the information in front of you and you have the data, you have a goal and you have like, okay, well, if you, the, the best analogy for this is like a money analogy. So if you have, you know, $2,000 to spend every single day, you want to spend it in the right way, not going over it, not trying to go under it. You want to spend it in the most efficient way. Um, and that's the same with your calories. You know, if you've got 2,000 calories to spend each day, you want to do it in the most efficient way. So have an understanding of how food is made up, have an understanding of where you can get the most value in terms of the, the, the calories and what you put your system, how you can sort of get the most meals out of it, essentially. Um, and the only way that you will get that is from actually tracking the the calories and tracking, having the information. Yeah, and the, tra- the tracking and nutritional aspects of things um, is so important because it gives you a baseline of what you're eating. So a good start is like download something like MyFitnessPal or you know, some of the other uh, um, calorie trackers that are out there and start to add 
what you're doing, um, you know, to be able to track your macronutrients. And macronutrients are broken up into three different areas, carbohydrates, fats, and proteins. Uh, proteins, you know, are, are going to be what you need to have adequate amounts of in order to ensure that you maintain and build muscle mass, um, especially if you're in a caloric deficit. If you're not getting enough protein, um, you're going to start to shed muscle as you start to go through this process. So if you're dropping, you know, more than two or three pounds a week, um, you know, you're typically going to be burning muscle mass as part of that as a byproduct. So you usually want to stay within the one to two pound a week range, uh, getting enough protein, uh, which will ensure that it kind of pads the muscle loss side of the house and you continue to kind of build muscle mass. It is possible to build muscle mass in a caloric deficit as long as you're um, doing there, um, doing that appropriately. And then supplementing that with how your body reacts, whether that's fats or carbohydrates. Um, carbohydrates are not bad. Um, you know, carbohydrates got a bad stipulation because of all the processed crap that we put in our bodies, but, you know, complex carbohydrates, fruits, vegetables, all of those are amazing for you, uh, to go and eat. So, you know, don't think carbohydrates are bad. Carbohydrates, you know, create explosive energy for us, um, in our bodies and our bodies are designed to handle carbohydrates for energy production. Now, yes, if you don't use all those carbohydrates up, it converts into fats. Um, but think of fats as a one-to-one -one ratio. So if you, eat one gram of fat and you don't burn one gram of fat, one gram of fat goes to, you know, your body to store for, for calories for later on. So, you know, it's a hundred percent conversion ratio for, for fats that you eat. So if you're doing a high fat diet um, and you uh, don't consume all that, it's going 100% to that. Whereas carbohydrates have, you know, a, I think it's like a, a 20 or 30% conversion rate. So, you know, you're burning calories with those carbohydrates. It's not one-to-one -one. proteins, more like 70 to 80% conversion rate. So, you know, you're burning much more calories, much harder to store fat directly from protein conversion to, to, to fats. So there's a lot of different nuances to it. But at the end of the day, you know, get your protein in first as much as possible, which is one gram of protein per pound of lean body mass. It doesn't mean your total volume of, of, of body fat or, or body mass. It's lean body mass. And how you calculate that can be somewhat challenging. But, you know, usually use a, a percentile of, of your overall weight. You know, for me, I, I'm at, you know, 230 uh, currently, and I want to get, you know, I usually try to get around 200 grams of protein, uh, per day or 210, uh, 210 grams of protein per day. Um, uh, but that varies based on the, on the person on uh, what you're doing, but those macronutrients end up being really important. And then basically taking that and saying, well, how much energy do I produce per day, which is what we call our total daily energy expenditure. And there are some calculators on there. If you go to the, we health website, there's a macro calculator there that will break down, you know, your, you know, your, your, um, age, uh, you know, whether you're male, female, whether you, um, you know, how active you are. And then from there, it'll give you a, a baseline of what your total daily energy expenditure is and what calories you should be eating if you want to lose a pound or two or gain, you know, based on your, your objectives uh, per um, per week. And then from there, you just basically take those calories, eat those calories, track those calories in, you know, my fitness pal or those types of things and start to see how many calories you're producing. And if you're not losing that weight, um, start to drop those calories down a few hundred, 200, et cetera, uh, to, to where you get the desired state. But you, one thing you have to realize is that don't drop your calories too far down uh, or else you'll start to stick with that weight and your body's basically going to go into hibernation mode where you're basically not burning much energy at all. Your total daily energy expenditure is going to be totally low and it's not going to be a good measurement of what you can do. So you know, try to stay just a few hundred calories off of that total daily energy expenditure and only drop 100 to 200 calories down you know, maximum per week to see to get to get to get to, get to that one to two uh, pound you know baseline of, of weight loss as you're going through this. Yeah, I think the... The calorie thing and, you know, the deficit, there's two sort of sides to the coin. And I think number one, recognizing sort of where you're at. For me, you know, I have a pretty decent understanding of what I can tolerate. So I know that eat a cookie. It's a cliff bar. I'm it's, uh, like, it's, a, it, it, it's kind of like a cookie. Like cliff, calories, you know, cliff bar. It's a cliff bar. It's an energy bar. Okay. 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 It's got protein uh, in there. <laughs> So I have a pretty decent understanding of, of what my body can tolerate or what I, I guess what I can tolerate. Um, and for me, like I can push quite hard in, into a deficit for a short amount of time. Um, and the only reason I know that is from time to time again, going through it, but sort of what I try and recommend or what I try and at least start clients with is a slightly smaller deficit and do it for a slightly longer period of time. And there's a, a very fine line in creating too much of the deficit that everything becomes difficult. Like standing here will be difficult doing your cardio. You'll be doing it half-assed. You don't want to go to the gym. So your sessions are half-assed versus creating like a slightly smaller deficit and you can still go in, enjoy your sessions. As you said, you know, gain muscle, get stronger, whatever it is. And actually 
I guess, enjoy the workout you're doing and not just go through the motions with it. And probably in a roundabout way, actually burn more calories because you have more energy going through those sessions. So kind of find that out um, initially is is an important one. And, you know, again, it's person dependent. As I said, I know I can do quite a severe deficit for a short amount of time, not for a long amount of time. And I would rather, I'm the person that would rather get in and get out um, and sort of get it done. So definitely yeah. having that. But again, you know, it comes back basically just having the understanding and, and going through it to know, okay, right, this is what works for me and this is how I, I can deal and process things. Yeah, and once you once you get those foundations down and, and starting to eat again, 80% whole foods, so whole foods being defined as something that has like one to two, you know, ingredients in it. So like, you know, lean meats, uh, veggies, fruits, you know, those types of things, whole grain, you know, type of- Something, of, something that's either been alive or grown on the ground is probably the way that I would say it. Something that's been alive, single source being alive or growing in the ground would be a whole food to me. Yep. So, you know, those types of things can make you fuller for longer, uh, help you hit your, your protein goals. So you obviously can supplement with like things like protein shakes and things like that. Um, but, you know, trying to get your whole foods is kind of a main thing is, is, is an important piece there. Now, once you have that, um, you know, the, the next question is, well, now we need to get into some sort of routine, right? And whether that's, you know, just being active in some way, shape or form. So getting steps in, the magic number seems to be 8,000, although people say 10,000. Anything above 8,000 is great. So 8,000 and above is awesome for your body from a cardiovascular perspective, blood-moving perspective. And so if you can just be active and mobile to get 8,000 steps a day, it substantially reduces your rate of, of cardiovascular death, um, cancer, a bunch of other things just because you're moving your body around and you're starting to put it under some sort of stress, albeit extremely low uh, stress from that side, right? So there's different things you can do now. Everybody's like, well, cardio is the best thing for you. I would argue that uh, maintaining muscle mass is probably one of the best things that you can do uh, for you. And there's some longevity studies on that. Uh, you know, I th think you have some stats here from the Dr. Atia podcast. Yes. Too, but now, I have listened to this eight times in a row and I've <laughs> written it down so that I don't fuck it up. But please forgive me if I do. So essentially they talk about things that increase risk of mortality. And they talk about type two diabetes increase your risk by 30%. Smoking increases your risk by 50%. Being weak versus being strong increases your risk of mortality by 250%. And having a low VO2 max versus having a high VO2 max, so like cardiovascular health, increases your risk by 400%. Like that is a phenomenal statistic. Like that blew me away. The genuinely, I'm like, so, you know, two of the biggest killers essentially smoking and diabetes, 30 and 50%, and then being weak versus being strong, 250%, low VO2 max versus high VO2 max, 400%. That is insane. Crazy. And, and it just goes to show you how our bodies are designed to operate, right? The more we put our bodies under physical stress, the longer we live, the you know more we're able to overcome things in our lives, the better we feel about ourselves, the more healthy we are because we're enacting how our DNA is, is designed to do. I mean, you know, when we're out foraging food for our tribes, that gives us purpose. You know, that gives us what our bodies were designed to do, to hunt, to be under stress, to, you know, forage for our things, to build houses and villages and things of that effect. Again, going back to that tribalism in our, our years of evolutionary track, you know, our bodies are enacted through stress across our bodies, through resistance training, through lifting heavy things, through, you know, um, being able to run, you know, shorter, long distances to do high intensity um, type of, of activity for, for periods of time. Our bodies, our body DNA is literally activated by those specific things. So, you know, whenever we can do that, um, it's only helping ourselves live longer. It's only helping ourselves become stronger. It's only helping ourselves mental clarity and positivity and all of these other side benefits, you know, and, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, but, you know, the reason why I'd, I'd gone to Ben initially was, you know, I, I had, had had a lot of success dropping the weight, but I started gaining that weight back again. And I started also experiencing other things like brain fog and energy levels were just at a total tank, you know, and I just, I just didn't feel motivated. I just felt tired all the time. I didn't want to do activities with my kids. You know, it was just, I was just in a bad state. And I can honestly say, you know, I'm 40 years old right now. I'm in the best shape I've ever been in my entire life. I have the most energy I've had in my entire life. I feel the best I've ever had in my entire life. You know, all of those things were possible due to the things that I put in place most specifically around my cardiovascular health and my um, ability to do resistance training and put my body under stress. And I do think that 
a lot of people in the weight training side neglect cardiovascular, um, you know, uh, health as well. I, I mean, mean they, I you were one of them. Guilty, one of them. guilty of that. I was you were, guilty. I was you were. guilty of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I still wouldn't say that I enjoy cardio, um, but I definitely have made a spot in my days and weeks for it, for sure. But uh, yeah, I definitely did avoid it probably for too long. Um, but again, I mean, stats like that make me go, right, maybe I need to be doing a bit more. Like maybe I need, you know, maybe there's more that I need to do if I want to, you know, decide if we're looking at how we can live for as long as possible. Like, you know, that is a staggering statistic. It is. And, you know, so for me, the combination of high-intensity interval training, i.e. cardiovascular health, and my ability to stay strong with, with resistance training has been a really great balance between the two. And, you know, it's interesting because you're, you're always balancing, you know, your objectives and goals. So for me, you know, I want to continue to put on muscle mass. I want to continue to get larger and stronger. I want to continue to challenge myself. You know, the more muscle mass I have on, perhaps I'm never going to be, you know, a, a massive bodybuilder. But at the end of the day, the, the more mu muscle mass I have going into my 50s, 60s, and 70s, the longer I'm going to live. And there's, there's a lot of stats against that. Um, bone density and lean body mass literally equate to longer lifespans, especially as we age. So the more that I can keep that. But on, even, even with that, like they, they, they yeah. talked about that in the, in the Dr. Adder podcast, it's like the, the statistic of people, like elderly people who fall and break a bone or whatever, like yeah. I'm going to the hospital, I'll never come out, but not even, not even from a bone density perspective, but even having the ability either A, to balance and catch yourself or B, have something that's a little bit more cushion, like as in more muscle mass so that you don't actually have those breaks and have those injuries. So like not just from a not falling and breaking your bone, like the other bits, that, the other pieces that come just from carrying a little bit more muscle. And it'll be interesting you know to see, like, sorry to cut you off, but it'll be interesting to no, see, no, like, obviously, you know, training and, and weightlifting and whatever else has become more popular over the past 10 years and whatever else. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, in 30, 40 years, whenever everybody now is like, quote unquote, elderly and how different things will be. And if it, if it is actually, if it does actually have the impact that we're talking about. Yeah. You know, it was funny. I was listening to one of the podcasts. I, I think it was... <laughs> People are going to think Rachel, you just listen to fucking podcasts all the time. I know. I think <laughs> it was Dr. Rachel Patterson, I think. Um, anyways, it was a while ago, but uh, this one blew my mind from a statistics perspective. And they said that the single best source that they have currently today to measure how long you're going to live. Can you imagine? Do you know what that is? The single best source to determine how long you're going to live. It's, it's going to, it's going to freak most of the people out. You're like, there's no way that that is a, a baseline for how long you're going to live because you would think almost instantly be like, well, it's probably LDL, HDL, cholesterol levels. It's probably, you know, blood work that specifically shows these specific indicators. Is it one rep max bench press? <laughs> just deadlift, just deadlift. No, it's, it's grip, it's grip strength. Oh yeah. Grip strength directly equates to how long you're going to live. And, and it's, it's to all those points that you actually said around your ability to catch yourself or not fall, the fragility that you have as you get older equates to how long you're going to live. So if you have really good grip strength, you're going to live a long time based on all the studies that they can show. So grip strength by far statistically in large data set studies has the largest impact to determining whether or not you're going to live longer or not, which I thought was like mind blowing. I'm like, really? Grip strength out of all the data and science that we have? It's grip strength. Like that's the best we got. You know, I'm like, there isn't like a magic, like enzyme that our body produces or something like that, but no, it's, it's grip strength. So that's yeah, pretty, crazy. I have a pretty good grip strength. So I mean, I'm, I must be okay. I might be okay. Yeah, I think so too. And, and you know, it's great with, with when I was training with you is, you know, you, you'd always uh, emphasize grip strength. So, you know, I, I've been able to build up some really intense grip strength. So even when I'm doing, you know, 600 pound deadlifts or whatever, I'm still using natural grips. Uh, when they're not like being completely ripped off from the Kabuki bar, uh, like last week, but, uh, yeah, I got, I got a, I got a, um, uh, callus shaver now at the, excuse me, callus, nice. I can't do it yet. Cause I have like literally open wounds <laughs> on my, yeah, I, I got a new bar, a Kabuki bar and it's known as being like the destroyer of, of hands. It's got like really like pins basically that you're going into. And I, I wasn't even paying attention. I did a deadlift and it ripped off all my cow oh. stuff bleeding everywhere. It was, it was bad. It was bad. That is Anyways. That is yeah. Yeah. So, so talking about getting into a routine, you know, the resistance aspects of things is really important. I would emphasize that as number one, start to build muscle mass. And it doesn't mean you need to do five days a week. If you could just do two full body exercises, 250%. That is insane. Being that is insane. Let's do it. Right. Let's do it. So, so, so two full body exercises, you know, once a week is, is 
amazingly beneficial for your body. Uh, and if you look at some of like the pro bodybuilders and the people out there, I mean, a lot of them only lift three days a week. You know, that's their their routine, uh, and that's perfectly ample for them to be able to build muscle mass, to you know, hit those those abilities for your mTOR production, for muscle and protein synthesis. You know, all of those things are happening just by lifting and putting your, your body under some sort of duress or stress. So two times a week, full body exercises, you know, hit your, obviously you can't skip legs day. Legs day is extremely important. Um, just know getting into this, your calves will never grow ever. Um, but uh, everything else will, will start to grow over time. But, you know, get into a routine around that. Um, There's some great uh, programs out there that you can go and, and find online uh, to get you into some of those start off small, start off lightweight, um, you know, uh, master the form of that exercise uh, so that you don't injure yourself and start to build yourself up weight wise as you start to go along. But, you know, getting into some sort of, you know, routine around resistance training, getting your steps in is a really great starting point for all of this. Yeah. I think it is a, you know, start slowly and build up over time because I realize there is the eager beaver in us all that just wants to do everything straight away. And, you know, I've had plenty of calls over the past couple of weeks of people, you know, and essentially, the, the the thing that I always focus on is like where they're at now, what their lifestyle looks like and what's realistic for them. Because one of the biggest, I guess one of the biggest things that puts people off starting something is every failure that they've had in the past. So whether it's a diet that they've failed that or whether it's a different trainer that they feel that. And the last thing that I would want anybody to do is go into a new training or go into a new year or move into a new program or, or start working with me or whatever it is and set themselves up for failure because everybody's busy. Not everybody has the time to, you know, train five or six times a week and do endless amounts of cardio and whatever it is. And it's just a case of, okay, right. What can you actually commit to that's realistic that you can stick to that? I know from experience that we will build on over time, but it is that just find the start point and actually start to do something. And when you start to do something, you have that feel good factor, you have more energy, everything becomes that little bit easier, more manageable. And then you have more and more time to sort of uh, invest in yourself and the the weight resistance trainer or cardio or whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah, I think I think it's also important to note that you know making time is important, but knowing that time will somehow free itself when you start to become more important you know, when this becomes more of a priority. And you know, you always get the things. Well, my family doesn't eat healthy. How do I do that? You know, these things come over time. If you start to eat healthy you know, it, your, your family will start to kind of reciprocate that and do the same thing, at least most, most will. Like my family, you know, when I started eating healthy, they all started doing the same thing. Um, so kind of went along that whole journey. And um, but the thing about that, a lot of these for things, me, like yeah, what, what I think in that is, you know, just because your family don't eat healthy doesn't mean it's an excuse for you not to. And for right. me, it's, I want to set an example. Do you know what I mean? It's like, okay, right. I'm not just going to fall into the, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to eat like an asshole because everybody else in the house is eating like an asshole. It's like, no, this is, yeah. going to make me feel better. This is going to allow me to live longer. Like this is the way that we should eat. And it is about taking control and leading by example. In it. And it's also important to note too, that, that because you're living this, this, this new lifestyle doesn't mean you still can't enjoy food. If you listen to our previous podcast that we just released last, last week, um, you know, it's, it's really important to enjoy food and things like that. So if you're having some pizza, fine, you know, build it into your macros for that day or what you can eat, but just don't eat like an asshole. Don't eat, you know, 15, you know, slices of pizza, only have a couple of them, have some self-control over yourself of what you're actually going and doing. So, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to, you know, be on a, a you know, spinach diet for the rest of your life, you know, eat what you want to do within moderation. I still can enjoy as much food as I want to. I can eat junk food. I can eat, you know, whatever I need to, but it's within moderation. And, you know, if I do have days where, you know, we go over like one day when Ben was in town, we went to the Cheesecake Factory and I'm pretty sure my calories were probably at the 4,000 mark, you know? I you think know, we, we add our calories in that one slice of cheesecake for the day. That, that one slice of cheesecake was like over a thousand calories. And it's funny because like uh, Dr. Lane on that show said like, how does, I don't understand how the cheesecake factor has so much calories in those types of things. He's like, I don't know how it's possible. Like, it's just, you know, you have this like sl small slice of, of cheesecake. It's a thousand calories, right? So you could still have days like that, but is it every day? Absolutely not. Right. So it's just that balance of things in your life and, and eating responsibly and understanding that you're going to have days that you might go overboard or you might have days where you didn't, you know, follow yourself. If you listen to last week's podcast, there was two days and Ben's going to yell at me in my check-in for this, you know, where I was like, I, I went on terror of, of wheat thins, you know, wheat thins are my, my crux and I just ate a you know, whole box of wheat thins and I went over my calories by like 600 calories, you know, and I, and I own that day. And I, and I, 
wear my head head in shame on it. I know I fucked up, but at the end of the day, I'm I'm gonna go back to it. And you know, and, I, and today I'm hitting the ground. Yesterday I hit it fine. You know, you go back to the routines that you know are good uh, as you go through this. So it's not to say that you can't be flexible. You're not gonna have days where you, you jack up. But at the end of the day, you put mindset in place. You put nutrition in place. You put you know some sort of of, of resistance training and steps in place. All of these things will start to build upon your success and your knowledge in health to give you a framework that will be successful. And, you know, again, there's so many diets out there, so many fads. Don't worry about supplements. You don't need supplements. If you're going to do any type of supplements, the only thing I'd say is like protein powder and creatine are probably the two biggest things you could do from a supplementation perspective. Um, you know, stick, stay small and grow big uh, as you start to go through this and learn more about your body. And then, you know, as your habits change, as your routines change, as you find more time to prioritize for yourself, because and, and one of the biggest uh, things that I hear most of the time from people getting into this is that I feel guilty that I'm taking time away from my family to go and do something for myself. And here's the thing. You're not just doing it for yourself. You know, the, the story I always tell about my health journey was I had a doctor that came to me and said, listen, if you don't change your patterns of behavior, you're not going to be around for your kids because I was having heart surgery at that time because I was obese. Uh, and I was already having the impacts of what that ha uh, has to do to my cardiovascular health and everything else. So I had heart surgery and the doctor said to me, you know, we're able to fix this, but if you don't change your lifestyle, sorry for my nose. Um, <laughs> if you don't change your lifestyle, um, you're not going to be around for your kids. And to me, that was a rude awakening saying I'm being selfish for not investing in myself to better myself, to get better for myself, for my kids and for my family. And I can tell you that my energy levels, how happy I am with my kids, how I interact with my family and my kids, all of those things are a byproduct of me living this healthy lifestyle. And it's also rubbed off on them. They're all focusing on, on healthiness and getting out there and being active and being in sports and all those other things. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. And I think again, that, you know, that comes right back to the, the perspective conversation, you know, essentially the perspective on people feeling guilty that they are being selfish and they're taking time away from their family to go and do something for themselves, quote unquote, the, the reality of it is they're being selfish if they continue to live the lifestyle that they do, because essentially they'll not be around, they'll not be around for the family for as long as they potentially could be. So it's, you know, it's having the perspective on that, that, that will sort of give you not the excuse, but the reason to go and get it done. I think that, that that's often, you know, it's, it's seen or it can be seen as selfish, but if you sort of zoom out and look at it the opposite way around, you know, if you don't take control and you don't start doing these things, it, it can be seen as selfish that, you know, you're potentially not going to be a set the example that you could be and be as round as long as you possibly can. Yep. And at the end of the day, you know, if we're bettering ourselves, we're making ourselves happier, we're making ourselves healthier. We're doing that for our families and our friends as well, too. And, uh, you know, that, 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 time that you take. And it was funny because, uh, you know, and we'll wrap things up here because I got a call out here very shortly. But, um, you know, when we, when we, I remember uh, my wife, when I first started this health journey, she's like, don't tell me this is another one of your new hobbies again. Cause I was starting to, I'm like, no, 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 no. It's just going to be a thing. But, 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 you know, after a while she understood like, this is a great thing for you. It's a great thing for us. I'm going to start doing this. I enjoy this. Uh, let's get involved in this together. So, you know, it became more of a bonding experience for both of us. Uh, in our journey with our kids as well. So, you know, the healthier lifestyle led to a much happier lifestyle, you know, for all of us, because we're all kind of doing the same things and, and working together. doesn't mean it's going to happen across the board, but again, the time you invest in yourself is going to, you know, in, and for yourself is extremely important. So, um, you know, focus on yourself, start off small, grow big. That will be success for 2023. Make that promise to yourself, make a promise to yourself right now that you're going to start tracking calories today and be able to track those calories throughout. It, it's, it takes, it takes 15 seconds, 30 seconds, you know, to be able to input in calories. It's going to take, you know, the first week is going to be a little awkward, a little bit painful. And once you get to the system, UI, scanning barcodes, all that other stuff, it starts to become easy. Just see what you do from a day-to-day -day basics of, of, of how much calories you're actually putting in your body and start, start small and grow big. So the small things equate to big things uh, of success down the road. Yeah. The small things are the big things. Small things are the big things. Well, everybody, I want to thank everybody uh, that has listened to this podcast through and throughout, you know, again, this is a recap episode for folks that are just joining for just listening to us for the first year and just starting off on this journey. You can do it. It isn't magic. You know, it's not genetics. Yes. We all have different genetics and yes, some of us burn more calories than others. And there's different variations and some of us have ailments and disabilities, but at the end of the day, the framework that 
that you can put in yourself around understanding how much calories you're eating versus how much calories you're spending and what you're doing to improve yourself. Those things will be proven successful throughout the year and you can do it. Trust me. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, for me, making your hobby, making it fun. Um, and the last thing I want to hit on before we get off of this real quick is that when you first start off with, with resistance training, your body will fight it. It's, it's a proven thing. Your body fights new things uh, because it's used to the same old, same old. It's hard for us to change as human beings. But as you start to do this more of a routine, a few months later, you will start to enjoy resistance training. Your body will start to, to, to want more resistance training. Your body will start to enjoy it as you start to go through these exercises and the recovery aspects of things. So, you know, power through the first few months of it sucking in, like I'm dreading ass going to the gym. It does get better. Trust me. Your body will start to learn saying, hey, this is something I want to do. Yeah, agree. Agree. Thanks for listening. Well, 2023, make it a successful one. Happy New Year. And appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, follow us on, on We Hack Health on Twitter, social media, Instagram, everything else. Uh, check out our Discord, you know, discord.gg slash We Hack Health. And, uh, our, um, and then also the We I made you, Health website. I made you an emoji last night. You're now officially an emoji on the, the Discord. Oh, sweet, sweet. You, you know you made it when you're an emoji, so it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for listening. Uh, check, catch you all next week. Bye.